Okay, hello and welcome everybody to Season 2 of Shamrock Foods Kitchen Conversations, where we talk to Shamrock partners and industry experts just like you about how they approach the hospitality business, stay on top of trends, and manage a successful business. I'm Jeff Piven, restaurant consultant with Shamrock Foods. Today we're joined by a seasoned chef of more than 35 years in the restaurant business. God bless you. Chef David Nickram with Deja Brew Laugh Latte. David, thank you so much for joining us today all the way from Idaho. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much, Jeffrey. Uh, tell us about Deja Brew. I mean, you guys are right there in Meridian, a close-knit community. Tell us about your little bistro. Well, I, I think the, the key word there was community. Uh, we are a bit of a pillar in the Meridian community. It's a small working class town and we're right dead center on the uh, main cross streets. We have uh, the town's park and water fountain is right at our front door. Uh, there are lots of concerts in the park, which I'm sure we'll be addressing. Um, Deja Brew is an art gallery. We serve breakfast, lunch, dinner, uh, to-go food. We have a coffee bar. We have a full liquor bar. We do off-site catering, on-site events, uh, and we hit just about every calendared culinary holiday there is. Well, that's funny. We were just talking about the culinary calendar. Um, tell us about some of the culinary calendar events that there are. You know, there's like National French Fry Day, but uh, you know better than anyone else. Tell us about those and how you can turn those into events. Well, for us, the culinary uh, calendared holidays, they start with Valentine's Day, Mardi Gras, uh, St. Patrick's Day, Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day. Uh, give us any excuse at all for people to go out and we'll throw a party for them and give them a reason to come here. Man, that's really great. You know, the fact that you said throw a party is really just a great sort of paradigm that a lot of operators tend to forget that you're throwing a party in your space, also known as your house, every time you have people open, every time you're open, every time you have people in, you're throwing a party. I think it's really cool to think of it that way. And you're absolutely right. In fact, our, our best uh, advertising is word of mouth. Uh, having our servers who are very comfortable with uh, Deja Brew and the environment uh, invite the regulars, which if they're not regulars when they come in here, they generally are when they leave. So we invite people, hey, come join us and, and come be a part of what we're doing. Uh, we find we get a lot more uh, response out of that than we would from Facebook or Instagram. Not that we don't do that, but we can usually fill the house better through word of mouth with our regulars uh, than we can by posting an advertisement. Well, I know. And that's in, in, in our department, in our world, we'll call that internal marketing. And it's huge that it's missing in so many places. And just a quick anecdote, one of my favorite places to go in my neighborhood um, is a little brewery. And I go in there all the time. And we started talking, I started talking with the owner recently after I had been a customer for like three years. And he mentioned his brunch menu. And I was like, you guys have brunch? I've never been invited back to brunch. And I was almost like upset. Like you guys are throwing a brunch party right down the street from my house. And I have not ever been invited. So man, it's, it's like these little things make all the difference in the world. So anybody out there take note, specifically inviting your customer back to your restaurant for a specific event is a huge hack that you can use in your restaurant that according to David is more effective than Facebook or just as, and I love that. I think organic is the best way to grow. 
hundred percent. So I, I wanted to touch on something that you mentioned about being the uh, sort of the corner pub. And that's really what our overall goal is. We want to be the communal gathering place for the locals in this area. Uh, and we draw plenty of, of people from outside, uh, from Boise and Nampa, Caldwell, the surrounding cities. Uh, but really our focus is on the locals, on the, the townies, as they call themselves. <laughs> well, you know, well, let's flip that on its head a bit. Let's say you're brand new to a market and somebody says, I want to be that corner pub. What are some of the pillars, like standard behaviors that you need to exhibit to attract that townie, so to speak? First and most important thing is get out there and meet your neighbors. Uh, go next door. Take a box of cupcakes. Uh, take one of your lunch specials. Bring some sandwiches. Uh, it's not so much the advertising to get people in, but become friends with them and get to know them. Pretty soon, they're going to start recommending your place. Uh, you'll start getting used to hearing, oh, Tina from the insurance agency next door sent us over. Cool. Or Bob from the bar three doors down told us you guys had a great special. Well, that's awesome. And I, I think, you know, in the world of Instagram and Facebook and now TikTok and who knows what other cool thing is out there that we're not hip to, um, it's it's like lost on people to go out and have those one-on-one face-to-face interactions with their customers. But that's really the magic of the hospitality industry is, is face-to-face interactions with people. And people I think are craving that after being cooped up in their homes for so long during the pandemic. So you were talking about your employees are very comfortable promoting the restaurant. Why do you think that is? Is it because they're comfortable being who they are? I think that's a pretty good way to put it. Uh, currently we don't have any sort of a dress code we have some uh, servers with some very flamboyant fashion sense, uh, which I guess I call flamboyant because I have no fashion sense at all. Uh, but we, we encourage them to dress to their own personality. And that might mean we have uh, one person in semi-formals and the other one in a dead Kennedy shirt. And they both give terrific service and the customers know their favorites and they come in and they ask for them by name. You're inviting them to be the unique people that they are and you're finding that they reciprocate by being more comfortable, being more hospitable and treating people with the best service that they possibly can because they're not having to wear a name tag, right? I used to hate those things. When they can be genuine, when they can be their genuine selves with their customers, they can establish a very different rapport than if they were just employee number six uh, working a particular shift. Right. That's great. And so if they have a genuine appearance, they have an authentic approach to the table, they're going to be able to recommend specials and recommend that you come back for um, Valentine's Day dinner a lot easier than if it was just some rote thing in a corporate restaurant. I, I really, really love that. And I also really love the Dead Kennedys. So it would be cool if I could wear a Dead Kennedy shirt to work. Unfortunately, I I don't know if anybody, if, if everybody likes the dead Kennedys the way that no, I do. You could probably only do that once and then they'd send you on holiday in Cambodia. <laughs> That's a good one. I love it. I was just playing that. Uh, I was playing Guitar Hero with my kids and that song is on there. Nice. Across the United States, we're seeing morning and breakfast day part sort of shift to grab and go. And that seems totally contra to what you guys are doing with your guest engagement. 
And, you know, earlier when we were talking, you guys are just absolutely killing breakfast. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you've cracked a code on the morning service and breakfast? Uh, the, the code for us was pretty simple. Uh, there are breakfast places all around us uh, that are making great money by putting inexpensive ingredients on the plate and shipping them out. Let's face it, that's really what breakfast is to most folks. Sure. Uh, we, we look to put value on the plate. That by no means translates to bargain. Uh, we're fairly expensive for breakfast, and we get told that regularly. But we put a higher quality product down. Uh, when we do a chicken fried steak, it's a half pound chicken fried steak. When we do our sausage gravy, uh, we start out by, by slow cooking the sausage in bacon fat uh, in yes. order to make the gravy. Everything we do is rich and just one step over the top. Uh, those little attention to detail is what makes all the difference. And people keep coming back for our expensive breakfast, even though we can look at our front window and find a cheaper restaurant right across the street. Well, and that's that, but I mean, bigger than anything else, your mission without saying it is to be authentic in everything that you do. So you're authentic in your environment, you're authentic in your service and hospitality, and you're authentic with what you put on the plate. If you don't believe in it, you're not serving it. I think it's important to, at points, cast all of the economics aside and do what you just know is right. Because obviously with you guys aligned around the building, people want that. And they vote with their dollar, so they're doing it. You seem to. They've been doing it all morning. Well, awesome. So, I mean, eggs right now, I just looked, are literally double in price. Mm -hmm. There are some crazy economic pressures that we have pushing down on the P&L. Um, can you tell us some things that you've done to uh, navigate some of those challenges? Uh, some of the things that, that we have done is, is back away from... Uh, this is counterintuitive because it's a working class town, but we've backed away from the large uh, protein portions on the plate. So rather than, uh, say, doing the prime rib French dip, which you can't swing a cat without hitting another restaurant that does a prime rib French dip, uh, we have our version of a French dip, but we use pot roast. So we bring in cool. neck off chuck roll and braise that up, uh, and we'll stuff a sandwich with pot roast, or we'll top pot roast with uh, a couple of poached eggs and slather it with bordelaise uh, and call it a pot roast benedict. Or sprinkle it over our poutine uh, with fries, gravy, and cheese curd. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. So utilizing some of those less expensive uh, proteins to begin with and then just putting the extra effort in to get something really succulent, you can beat that economic paradigm by putting more on the plate that frankly tastes better, it's just different. Right, so is that is that to say that you're fairly flexible with your menu? Are you changing it frequently to stay on top of that stuff? Uh, currently, we're, we're only doing two menu changes a year. If it was up to me, we would do it seasonally, but uh, our customers tend to get menu shock. <laughs> so uh, we slow it down a little bit. We do run uh, daily specials for breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, every single day. Uh, and so that gives us a little bit of, of room to play a little bit. That's great. So uh, you would say you get room to adjust products with the specials. And because of the service staff making authentic recommendations, they tend to sell those out. We, we tend to do very well with our specials. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, like we were talking about earlier, if you had to start all over, what would you do? And I, 
I love this question because I feel like there's a bit of a leadership and a culture gap in restaurants right now. And I think that's really at the core of why restaurants are struggling to hire is because they're not sure what the why is of their company. If you had to start all over and recreate your restaurant from culture on out, how would you do that? So we don't really search out as much for what the national trends are. We take uh, the pulse of the people within 15 blocks of us and ask them, what would you like to see? Oh, that's awesome. So when you ask them, is that when you're out um, dropping specials or just meeting people? Is that, you know, um, an intentional process where you're like, we really need to get some new ideas. Let's go ask this group of people. Well, we don't necessarily have to ask them. We have an open kitchen. So when people come and sit at the bar, uh, by the third beer, they just yell, hey, chef, why don't you do this? I'll come out from behind the line and have a conversation with them if I've got time. And every once in a while, they have a great idea. They asked for something they'd had in the Army, SOS. Uh, well, they asked and, and we uh, accommodated. It's like, eh, I don't exactly have the chipped beef. So what do we have that'll work instead? Uh, I've only heard it, and uh, it's NSFW. Um, what actually is that? Succulents on a shingle. What were you thinking? Oh, okay. Well, it was an honest request. I love the art of understatement. So when we call it SOS, we take all of our tenderloin shrimp. Mm. Uh, we cook that up with wild mushrooms. Uh, we do a garlic and sherry cream sauce and finish with fien herb uh, over seven-grain toast. It's a pretty formidable lunch special, but the flavor on it is dynamite. Yeah, that's a fancy version. That's not coming out of a can. I'm sure you could get all sorts of wild things that people are requesting, depending on, you know, who's happening to sit at the bar. You know, your core values are authenticity. So that goes back to our breakfast being formidable, big quality breakfast. Uh, the art that we do uh, and the music that we do are, are working class art. We do a lot of 70s and 80s hits. Uh, they throw in quite a bit of country. We even have uh, what we jokingly refer to as Boomer Tuesdays, where we bring in a band that does 40s music. And we get buses from some of the senior centers. And they come over here and play the tambourine and do conga lines and dance in slow motion and just have a great time. So starting there, you're able to basically base every decision from your menu to your service style, to uniforms, to how we decorate our restaurant, to what bands we choose, to what holidays we celebrate are all through authenticity. It's never about, you know, worshiping the dollar or, you know, cutting your nose off to spite your face just to make your payments on rent or whatever. Um, you're doing what you know is right. And people get in line behind that because they can really, you know, in their heart, they really believe in what you're doing. And I think, you know, getting up and going to work every day as a restaurant employee, it's really difficult to go and just do it for someone else, for the owner to benefit. And they feel like in your restaurant, they're doing it for the community's benefit and really for the benefit of the team and the family. I think it's really, I think it's really sharp. Well, we do have a, a different uh, mindset with the cooks. We find that uh, kitchen staff, by and large, is looking for more than just financial gain coming to work. Uh, if we start playing that, that game where uh, we try to match the pay of the next place, 
then all we're doing is throwing dollars for diminishing talent. Right. So uh, we tend to get people in and then encourage them and tell them right off the bat, my number one goal for you is to train you to someday be able to replace me or open your own restaurant so that someday I can come work for you. We supply lots of educational opportunities. Uh, we purchase our uh, top performers. We buy their ACF memberships and we strongly encourage American Culinary Federation chef certification and help our employees to get there. Uh, we do internal contests on specials. We even do internal contests with the new people on staff meal uh, to make sure that they're putting their best foot forward trying to feed the servers and the rest of the family that has to work together. But overall for us, the, the kitchen functions on education and the paychecks are just a bonus. Right, right. Well, that's incredible. And you know, you hear that in the, in the, in the, you hear that out in the restaurant business right now so much. It's like, we can't find anybody. And chef Dave, it sounds like you are making these people that you need and you know, Kudos to that, not only to help your restaurant, but you're really helping the industry at large by putting people back better than you found them. Well, I can teach a shaved monkey how to cook, but I can't teach a work ethic. If somebody shows up with that, we'll take care of the rest. Right. So you're hiring for attitude and teaching the aptitude. I always liked that personally, as I was a corporate trainer for 10 years for some big brands. And, and that's exactly was my mantra. Like, just give me the attitude is I'll teach you how to put a burger together in 10, 15 minutes. Um, but if somebody doesn't want to be there, or like you said, they're chasing dollars, man, don't even waste my time. Agreed. So if you've got one piece of advice for our, a potentially struggling operator out there, what is your advice? Shorten your menu. Uh, that's at least in our area out in Meridian, that seems to be the expected curse is that everybody has these uh, three page sleeve menus with 78 items on it. It buries the kitchen, it buries the servers, <clears throat> and frankly, the customers don't want to have to read a phone book to decide what they want. No doubt. Pick whatever it is that you're really good at, whatever you're passionate about, and serve that. Right. Fantastic. Is there like a sweet spot, like number of items you would have per day part or something like that? Something numerical you could key us into? Well, the owner and I go back and forth on that. For me, the sweet spot is five appetizers, three salads, seven entrees. The three, five, seven. It's almost like your own little version of haiku. <laughs> yeah. Or is that five, seven, five? I don't know. I was an engineering major, so... Well, that's awesome. I love shortening in the menu. And that has been our advice. I mean, and people went into COVID and they're like, oh, we can't have all this stuff because they either couldn't find it or couldn't prep it. And now that that is supposedly over, they're going back to these huge menus and they're burying themselves in prep and, you know, tons of cash layout for purchasing and all this training and Man, it just it just seems like they're making it hard for no good reason. You're operating a very successful business and you're saying keep it simple. So I hope one of these days people will listen. Well, especially for us doing all three day parts, we, we have to try to keep it simple. An enormous menu would bury us. Totally. Totally. I think that's it's it's so difficult to do BLD or breakfast, lunch, and dinner because you have so many shifts. How do you how do you manage that many people? Is it I mean, obviously you're teaching people, do you do like a lot of swing shifts or is everyone cross-trained? Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Uh, we do make sure that everybody is cross-trained. We just got uh, done with a four-week pretty comprehensive training procedure where everybody worked every station. But the reality is we only have two shifts. Uh, we have a breakfast and lunch shift, and then we have a lunch and dinner shift. Uh, okay. And we stagger people when they come in for breakfast. We stagger people when they come in for lunch. We're able to stagger people out the same way. There's plenty of communication that way. Uh, and not a whole lot of people left standing around looking at each other. <laughs> Cross-training is something that is a bit lost on folks. Um, and again, David's training, cross-training. So you're not expecting people to come in with all of this knowledge. You're arming them with the things that they need to do. Um, is your training process, how long is your training process in the back of the house? Uh, four weeks. So even our dishwashers are cross-trained to be baristas, to help the front of the house, to come back and work the line. Most of our dishwashers aren't old enough to serve alcohol, so we save the bartending for, for the grown-ups. But even my, my sous chef here is probably the superstar server out on the floor. If things go sideways and they need someone, she's going to go out there and show them all how it's done. Wow, that's incredible. I know growing up in my early restaurant days, it was like the front of house, versus the back of house, sort of this like, no one ever stepped foot in, in either of those territories. It's awesome to see the lines blur um, and you get a lot of efficiency out of that. In my experience, all of the best chefs have front of the house experience. Right. I have no idea how you could successfully run a restaurant if you're not experienced in both. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Deja Brew while we, before we let you go here. Um, what are some of the things that are coming up here in the next month? Tell us about your events. Uh, this summer, there's a summer concert series in the park. And again, the park is right out our front door with a giant water fountain. Uh, people bring their kids and they run through that fountain all day long. Uh, the band's set up out in the park. And so we, uh, being summertime, do a barbecue picnic where we set up uh, a buffet that's got all of the favorites you would expect to see at your local family reunion or a church picnic. Mac and cheese, potato salad, baked beans, watermelon, chips, green salad, the, the whole shebang, grilled corn on the cob. And then we move the barbecue outside on the patio and we grill in front of all the customers. They can come up and ask for a dog or a brat or a burger, an ahi tuna steak, chicken sandwich. Uh, we just keep it all family on Thursday. It's a very comfortable environment. Uh, we do monthly wine dinners, which is our opportunity for our kitchen uh, employees to really stretch their culinary legs. I'm pretty sure that if I put a ballotine of pheasant on the menu here, it would never sell. But everybody gets a chance to make that during the wine dinners because we can do a more elevated cuisine. Right. Uh, our wine dinners are generally seven courses and then five to seven wines. Uh, we have art week coming up and our crew is going to start a training course on Thai fruit carving. And we're going to line the outside of the building with uh, Thai fruit carvings. And I won't be competing, but I'll be teaching the class. And then the employees will compete for gift certificates for whoever the customers vote has the best Thai fruit carvings. Wow, that sounds awesome because I've seen those on Instagram and stuff, and it looks so difficult. Um, I, I, I'm left-handed, so uh, not exactly uh, great penmanship and my knife work well. Uh, I could chop a salad 
and maybe a cucumber if I'm lucky. So, um, well, that might be our next contest. Those are some, those are some really cool ideas. I've literally never heard of that before. Um, well, it's incredible what you're doing out there. Thank you again for joining us uh, here at Shamrock Foods Kitchen Conversations and special thank you to Chef Dave today for joining us all the way from Meridian, Idaho. He is with Deja Brew. He wants you to know that every Thursday that there's going to be music in the park and they're having a family style barbecue picnic that everybody can take part in as well as a wine dinner coming up in late August. We hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll see you next time.